Mm. Thank you for that expression, Tina. Mm. That first audio that I sent was, in fact, coming from your space. And I have a lot of empathy and understanding having it come from where you're at now. So I think I'd like to walk around a little bit and land from a really symbolic, metaphoric, poetic space into something grounded that speaks simple but pervasive to where everyone is at, whether you're a parent or anything else. Coming into this week, there's a lot about the concept of intention and intentionality. I understand this from the host of energies in people's bodies that I've had to look at again and again, and I'm able to deliver some offerings or contributions to that middle space I was speaking to. Was it yesterday, honey? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really feel like I listen to basic intentions so much anymore because I can come from the experience of how they change like in a conversation when people hear certain concepts, certain words trigger other words and other thoughts and intentions kind of dance and play around like that. What I'm interested in the beginning as a journey with people who are coming into the process would be an understanding of the stages. And I'd like to share what I myself have had to go through, which might help people hold their own intentions. And the intuition would be more of the intentionality, the not thinking too much part, but understands that a lot of this somehow makes sense, which is a self-defining quality in inner dance itself. I've had the privilege of being able to kickstart this somehow, maybe partially by accident, but definitely I understood where a lot of this was going, even up until this pandemic. Mm. 
a lot of it was quite obvious and so there's very little distrust as to the role inner dance plays on a rather large spectrum of healing that comes to us even now. So yeah, thank you for your intentions. They are beautiful. And then there's so much more, more and more. So yeah, I, I speak about having had the privilege of being called founder of this movement. I'm not always comfortable with some of the expectations that go with that um, because it means I have to play with um, imagery and resonances and all kinds of stories people hold in how they might see me. There's always a lot more, always so much more. And we're always trying to find the spaces where we could access more. When you are given the chance to assist others, to so-called hold the space, there's a different vibration. It's a different trance mode when you are given that privilege to help. It's like getting off from the yoga mat and finding yourself, holding bodies, holding the world that's in the bodies, holding the space, holding energies, holding collective consciousness. And it's something I would wish for all beings. This might be my intention, that somehow everyone is healer. Um, everyone has gift and we're looking for a situation or where that is the obvious that is the reality inner dance has demonstrated this since its inception there's something about the workshop process that's been given. I didn't design it myself. The energy knew what to do with the music, with the hands, with the words, with positioning the room. There was so much clarity there since the beginning. And so there's something about this so-called workshop that stays strong. It's always the same. It's always the same workshop. 
it's it never changed the experiences are always different it's never the same but the process is always the same doesn't matter what you call it it's always the same and that we could trust that one space which everyone should be able to trust especially when we do our work now we can talk a lot about what's in that container called the inner dance and that's what the next months are for right now we're feeling into intention there's often an excitement when people walk into Baha'i, Kalipai, or Maya, or for many of the other hundreds of places I've had to travel to around the world. There was this excitement as to what is this thing? I've tried so many other things, but there's this thing. And it seems like all, all the things are coming together inside the one thing. So there's an excitement to lay down. There's also this excitement to stand up and start to share this openly, freely, flowingly. There's an overwhelming sense of excitement that fuels the intention and the intuition both. And then when one finds him or herself in that actual situation where you're given the chance to speak to the room, whether it be just one person is in the room or a hundred, that sense of excitement becomes an overwhelming terror. Excitement mixes with terror. And the chemistry of both is palpable. It's hard to tell the difference. It's, it's scary to walk the path of the unknown. And I don't judge anyone who would hold a healthy fear that they are going to be bringing people into the unknown. That seems to be an intention people hold, like could you bring more certainty to the uncertain by creating a training process or a master class workshop that would box in the unboxable. We could do some of that so that we could open up the bigger boxes, boxing the things that don't really fit into the thing. 
or we could just let it be and let it flow. And if that were what's the case, then you would probably go through what I've gone through and maybe 10 times more because mine wasn't a passive workshop going. It was a spontaneous thing that happened in my solitude where I had the chance to let it all out in the absence of people watching me. So I could just freely go and I was, yeah, more in a readier state once the whole thing started. So I could share from that. So that I think what happens in time is there's like a line that holds a sequence of moments. And each of those moments, they spring forth many other lines that hold sequences of sequences of springing forth, which is what opens in the inner dance itself, bringing about a sense of the circularity and the networking nature of time and space. And so the sense of feeling overwhelmed with excitement and terror, it does shift when we're able to sit with it more and more and to allow it to come upon us. This is new overwhelming sense of emotion, of feeling, of love, of joy, a sense of completion, of closure. Um, when you start to hold deeper spaces that last longer than hours, when you start holding these things called retreats or trainings, immersions, it, it's, uh, it's an interesting mixture. It's like you can feel people as soon as they write. You can feel people as soon as they walk into the space. You can feel them in a way you become them. That's what language and mind has been doing forever. It's like when you walk into someone's bubble, you create a third bubble where you're you, but you're also the other speaking to itself. We're never really speaking to people. It's like we're always speaking to ourselves, to others and others are speaking to themselves through us. And that becomes a lot more definitive and then indefinite in the inner dance. It's like, who, who is 
doing who. And so that overwhelming sense of emotion could shift. And this doesn't have to happen in any particular order. It could, it could be simultaneous. But emotion could become an overwhelming sense of energy. It's like emotion being energies in motion. Then you can tell it's not just feelings and moods. Now it's sensory inputs. It's synesthesia of energy that then for those who sustain themselves becomes an overwhelming sense of information. Becomes like an information overload. Dialogues upon dialogues. Energy conversations in time and space. Wanting to be seen and wanting to be heard. Being held, yet it's the ungraspable. And so, yeah, it's ridiculous to have to bring that back to the world. That is jaded. That did away with all of that. It's like, um, through its efficiency its energy economics. It doesn't need to have that awareness that inner dance brings. So going back to the nature of the work, the workshop, um, what probably helped me as a person the most is energy school itself. It's the ability to speak as the energy and to allow the energy to be listened to by the energies and people. Mm. It's like we feel like we need to be seen somehow, and to be seen is to be healed. And then it just happens, like an empowerment happens, an enabling happens. And then there's growth upon the seeing process. The, this growth is a tremendous thing. It's like growing like a universe, growing like the sun. 
it begins to have an organizational effect when you come into an audienceship or a communication process that is appropriate to where you're at. And so that concept of listening or being seen, there's like a complexity to it. It's like you're creating the conditions where this growth process could take place organically. And so take for example, maybe a lot of the information that you're coursing through now, some of which you might have seen before, some of which you might be new to, some of which maybe you're looking at in new ways as is always. Mm. It, it's something to do with a compositioning process. Mm. It's, it's like the act of listening is a process of decomposing. And that's why it's good to read, to watch, to witness, to listen, to hear, to see. There's a death there. We are putting stuff into the compost and there's no need to go into an analytical thinking process. It doesn't mean though that there's not a thinking process. We have to be more careful about the way we use these words. Cognition will be there. But then there are these two aspects of cognition, and there's death in cognition, uh, surrender mode, where we are able to decompose so much of what we've absorbed like, over such a long period. Of existence. I mean, how many incarnations do you hold in this one? And and that is the space itself. It's like this is the intention. This is what we're looking for. It's like I'm old, and how do I process everything? It's like that question, like. Do you know anything? And we're dumbfounded. Because the truth is, of course I know so much. I know what I know. It's just putting it together is the thing that allows it to be a knowing from a human vantage point. From the vantage of energy, though, it isn't that. It doesn't organize as much as it sometimes disorganizes it outside of human tendencies. It doesn't integrate, it disintegrates. It digs in. It absorbs, it empathizes, it feels. So one of my intentions is to bring about
possible structural support systems for those who are moving from the decomposition process to decompositioning process. And I've been sharing where I'm coming from. Having have had the chance to hold many groups of people from all walks of life in the journey process, for me, inner dance is more structural than it is deconstructive. It holds a creative potency, which to many workshops is more of a, an explosion of stuff, which can lead to the sense of being overwhelmed. And that view of the creative and the structural, it's, it, it's something that happens <laughs> given the space. And that could take years, that could take maybe even months, that could take faster. It, it's not the point to speed it up because it is enjoyable to surface from the deep. But we are interested in balancing things out. Um, there's a growing old <clears throat> that happens with the waking up. And, and these can be polar at times. When many inner dance communities in the world holds the intention of measuring catharsis and release work, generalizing this process, as something breathwork conducts, or you know, all these other terminologies that are quite well defined and and designed very specifically, you know, almost in a sterilized way. It's like um, inner dance doesn't share that same history. Um, inner dance is more of a phenomenon or an event. And a lot of these training processes were just the uh, waves that comes after. This thing has just done itself. Yeah, so excitement, fear of the unknown, emotion, energy, information, yeah, all of it becoming one to be of service to the world that the energy conversation is taking place after the energy conservations and 
energy conversions, energy competitions, energy consumptions. Now there's this energetic communion where enough context has been opened up and there's trust there, but at the same time, people are up for a decoding and encoding part of the work. It, it's about code. It, you know, it, it's this degree of seriousness people start to have when they kind of get it. They, they get it. And when they show up, it's, it's they're, they're clear and they're they're armed with readiness, not just curiosity, not just openness, but but ready. Like we're we're ready. So it, yeah, what I'm really talking about is the shift from the compost to the garden, from destruction to co-creativity. Um, it's not really just about people. It's about what's been inside people for so long now, over eons and <laughs> over the ages. Something comes of age. Something grows up exactly now at this juncture in the world's story of stories. It, it's ironic because something speeds up in the inner dance process, and yet something slows down. And you vie or you negotiate for the slowness that would heal a lot of these psychological injunctions and psychological drivers. It says, there's not enough time. I don't have the space and I need to hurry up. I need to do it fast and I need to do it now. It, it, it shouldn't have to work that way. And the vibratory gift allows us to expand the space in the moment so that that sense of being overwhelmed by the information finds something really safe. It, it's the image of like a library, a compendium of world experiences that may might seem like they're jumbled in word combinations in these volumes of books, but it's it's merely synonymous for what's been lived through, what's been archived in the energetic or in the literal. Either of which it's both, and it's the same. Um, that that is going to help where the world is at now that's really in a hurry and is being asked to slow down. So that alone should validate so much what you're feeling right now. It's like, 
what's a way to thrive and not just cope with what's taking place now as battles for freedom and negotiations for sovereignty, argumentations for movement are going to take place. How do I hold ourselves down so that we can meditate as to what are we? Where have we been? How old exactly am I? That plants a quintessence, like a seed of light that has a chance to grow well. So yeah, I'm, I'm maybe giving some substance for a careful absorption of what this energy is. Because on my part, it certainly takes me so much effort. There's like a joyous pain at holding an overwhelming sense of information into a single web page. I rewrite things, I recompose things with a lot of care. And a lot of that is a product of having have stepped away from worlds. Uh, 15 years ago, even as my classmates and my peers were in a hurry to race to, I don't know where they're at now, the top of buildings and places like that. <laughs> um, yeah, they, I normally in the past would wake up at three or four o'clock in the morning, put on my running shoes and with my earphones on, I would go into deep study that would last up until the wee hours of the morning sometimes. But when I speak of this, I want to relate that to what Tina shares now. I did all of the research programs with an inner dance that interests me and that collaborates with other people. At the height of busyness, beyond the overwhelming sense of emotion, information, energy, and excitement and fear of the unknown, it's the overwhelming task list. For me, it never went away. For those who really know me, I'm probably busier than the busiest people you know. And yet, um, it doesn't come out as that word. It's more of, I feel involved and not detached from any of this. And I, I, I want to really be clear that um, there is a way 
that's that's what I feel that there, there's a way to embrace our birthrights and our ancestries, our lineage that is a planetary consciousness coming to us now even surrounded by the mundane it's like that Jack Cornfield book um, after the ecstasy the laundry where he wrote about all these sages and masters and wizards and gurus who did their hermitage and had to come back down and either get married, have kids, learn how to be human and understand that they weren't actually that good at it because they had transcended. Um, there's something about my own having have given everything away and given everything up and coming back into the world that is instructive um, that wasn't easy to understand in myself even and in a lot of people until chaos started to come into a sense of order stability and even happiness <laughs> um, we, we want to trust that the more we disorganize things. We want to trust it, that the more things get disorganized and come into chaos, the more it's rearranged, somehow it will get there. And there's some sort of labyrinth or maze. There, there's like an amazing maze that we can find through the dance that eventually we'll just get there and parents especially will be challenged by coming into those levels of trust because of the lack of selfness that exists in that situation um, and so, yeah, in, in my own space, I have these memories of conducting the energy school and then having to go back to the house where there were these two kids. Over the years, it was always like this. I would travel to different places in the world and come back home. Or I'd do these five-day, ten-day workshops and then I'd come back home in the evenings and it, it, it was just so much. But they were not separate in any way. I, I found out that we are being asked to lose our minds as adults, to become like the children that are becoming us. And then there's a cross-sectioning that hasn't been understood by the sciences and even by spiritual traditions that we, we were 
we're right now in that intersection point. Like around the world now, we're in that middle space where we're being asked to become young again. But as soon as you access that, you realize the oldness and that newness. And then a curiosity starts to come about. In children, it's called wonder, which is coupled with awe, which begins with the notion that we don't actually know much about a thing, but we're ready to learn. And from there, the mind of a universe can expand. create, stabilize, and conduct a structuralism, the more a deconstruction is at work. So I have certain people in my mind, like Flor, um, there's Natalia from Poland who is conducting an energy school exactly at the same time these ladies in Cape Town, Rebecca, they, they all conducted energy schools in their inner dance-based immersion work differently. Um, some are mothers, after the fact, or <laughs> somewhere in transition. Um, but that that doesn't matter. We're we're all always mothering. Um, but there was something about not understanding the information until the moment they were asked to hold the story of the world with a bunch of people. This is how language needs to be understood. It's not about transferring or transporting information. It's not just the way schools have tried to conduct the banking model of data where we just fill up people with a whole bunch of stuff. We're beginning to understand that the more we communicate that there's a transformation just the act of listening already shifts our minds. Just the act of hearing something, the body's changing even now. When we find the conditions where an authentic meaning making and signification process is at work, which can definitely happen in the music. Um, so that will come, and that normally is subsequent to a period of dying and decomposing. We long for this, you know, we used to read more, we used to absorb things well, and we knew what it meant somehow through stories and through 
first principles, we were a lot more curious and in a state of wonder. And so if and anything comes about in inner dance, it's the brain state that brings about wonder, shifting openness to curiosity, to readiness that you are then able to understand the stages of how this is brought to others. One day, one explosive and non-explosive moment at a time.